It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Boston Celtics go down to the Milwaukee Bucks as the seeding games return. It's a special weekend edition of the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Millions. Let's go. Rainy Jays back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. It's the best way. Melly. Hey there, John Corral is here of MassLive.com. I'm their Boston Celtics beat reporter. Thank you for making the show part of your daily routine. Although this week, daily was a little delayed because I said, hey, it's Friday, Friday night game. I'm going to do a post-game podcast with the return of the seeding games. I'm not going to do this every Friday night. I'm going to usually do my regular Monday through Friday schedule, but this one I felt like might have been special. Boston Celtics played the Milwaukee Bucks, and they lose 119-112, in a game that they looked like they were going to get smoked when it first started, the Milwaukee Bucks stormed out to a huge lead, and the Celtics, to their credit, fought back, and unfortunately, some things didn't go quite right down the stretch. The stuff you want to hear about, probably the fouls and the referee, the officiating, uh, that's going to be in the third segment. I'm going to save that. Marcus Smart had some choice words for the officials, as usual, for Marcus Smart. Uh, that'll all be in the third segment, all of that stuff. First two segments, the first segment's going to be positives. Well, we'll look at the positives first. Why not? Second segment, negatives, things that didn't go so great. And like I said, the third segment is going to be what it is. So let's run through the box score real quick. Like I said, 119-112 was, was the final score. The Celtics were led by Marcus Smart, who had 23 points on 7 of 11 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 of 8 from the line. He had four rebounds and assists, four turnovers, a steal. Jalen Brown, 22 points on six of 15 shooting, a slow start, plagued by foul trouble. Three of 10 from three, not particularly great. Seven of nine from the line, that's better than he usually does. Four rebounds for him, an assist, a turnover, and a steal there. Gordon Hayward had a nice all-around game, 17 points on six of 14 shooting. Did not hit a three, he was 0 of three from three. Five of five from the line. Nine rebounds, six assists. So 17 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He also had four turnovers. He had a block. Uh, 16 points for Kemba Walker, who looked good in his return. I'll talk about him in a second. 14 points for Brad Wanamaker. 13 for Daniel Tice. On the Milwaukee side, 36 points for Giannis Antetokounmpo on 14 of 20 shooting. 7 of 12 from the line. 15 rebounds, 7 assists, just 2 turnovers. He also had a steal and a block. Chris Middleton looked like he was going to start ripping the hearts out of the Boston Celtics, but he finished with 18 points on 6 of 20 shooting. He got cold, and Brooke Lopez added 14. Dante DiVincenzo had 10. That's basically your uh, stat line. You didn't hear me say Jason Tatum's name because he only scored 5 points. I'm going to save that for segment Two, because that's a negative. So here in segment one, the positives. Marcus Smart, obviously, 7 of 11 shooting. Great night for Marcus Smart. Defensively, 
He was just fantastic again, as usual. Uh, some of the defensive things that he was struggling with, and I hesitate to even use the word struggling with in the scrimmages. I think he was just kind of like biding his time in the scrimmages. That's it's probably more of what was happening. He was very typically Marcus Smart in this game, hounding people, going crazy on the defensive side, sliding in to take charges or trying to take charges. That's going to be a that's going to be a segment 3 conversation for sure. But getting into people's airspace, making things difficult. Somebody on Twitter called him a a one-man double team, which is an amazing way to put it. He came in and really changed the tenor of this game. The in the first quarter with the the Celtics were down by 15 at one point. The the the, the Bucks checked Giannis out. Giannis played 32 minutes, but shorter stints. And Marcus Smart came in, and right about that time, those things happened kind of at the same time. And Marcus Smart just kind of changed the entire kind of feel of the game, the entire momentum of the game. So big credit to Marcus Smart for for his his performance in this one. I thought he, if it wasn't for Marcus Smart, the Celtics were on their way to a blowout. Gordon Hayward is another positive. I thought he just had a, a solid game. If you watched the Facebook Live that Tom Westerholm and I did, Tom is my co-beat uh, reporter at Mass Live, if you haven't heard by now, but we talked about how Gordon Hayward is going to be good and people are going to overlook him. And Hayward was just kind of like the glue that kind of held things together while we were waiting for other guys to take over. Hayward didn't take over any particular stretch of the game. He was just solid throughout the whole thing. So, like I said, 6 of 14 shooting. It wasn't all great. He, he missed a couple of threes. There were a couple of threes that really went in and out. But the nine rebounds were great. The six assists were great. The turnovers, there were four turnovers there. And, and I think, and I'm going to be fair, I've asked... For, for for Hayward to force sometimes you got to force the issue and I think he did but um, he he did have a couple of turnovers because of that that's going to be something that happens I'm not going to hold it against him because he was being aggressive and if being aggressive means you know sometimes you turn the ball over that that's not too bad it's not great that they were uh, live ball turnovers that that's not something that you want but I can't sit here and say, I wish Gordon Hayward was more aggressive and then be mad at him for being more aggressive. He does need to take care of the ball, but I think I think Gordon Hayward was definitely one of the positives in this. Kemba Walker was a positive. He played 19 minutes. It's a shame that he had to come out between that 18 to 20 minute mark. Brad Stevens never gave it a second thought. He was always going to play Kemba up to that 20 minutes and say that's enough and that's what he did 19 minutes 8 seconds 5 of 9 shooting for Kemba Walker 3 of 6 from 3 he looked pretty good he kind of looked like himself the pull up jumpers stopping on a dime he felt good I think it might be time to stop asking Kemba about the knee because it's like we all worry about the knee but it's like if, if it's feeling okay and he came out feeling okay, the Celtics have practice on Saturday. 
We're we're going to ask Brad Stevens how did Kemba's knee react? That's that's going to be the storyline. But if it reacts well and they slowly start ramping him up like even more, it might it might just be time to be like, okay, let's just at some point assume the knee is fine until we see otherwise. Because I don't think Kemba wants to talk about it anymore. He's sick of talking about it. And frankly, I'm sick of asking about it. I'm sick of writing about it because it's the same thing. It's the same update all the time. Feels good. Yeah, I'm frustrated by not playing as many minutes as I think I want to play. But if there's so many different things that could have happened differently in this game where maybe the Celtics would have won. And if everything goes exactly the same, but Kemba Walker gets 28 minutes instead of 19 minutes, maybe that changes the the ending. Maybe that changes how this, this game looks down the stretch in the fourth quarter. That's just something that it's it's possible because Kemba was good. Kemba was good. He's definitely one of the positives. And my last positive is, is more about the Celtics just kind of feeling like they were encouraged. Uh, everybody after the game didn't feel like upset. Brad Stevens had his typical like, I'm more encouraged than discouraged. Gordon Hayward says he had this quote of, I'm definitely not worried at all. Some days are diamonds. Some days are stones. Uh, that's just one of those things. Uh, and as we get into the next segment, some of these things that the Celtics could have done better might have changed the tenor of this game as well, uh, especially early on. Giannis was a beast early on in this game. He just did anything that he wanted in the first five minutes and the Celtics certainly were not prepared for that. I think if they meet again in the playoffs, they'll be better prepared for that. And when I come back in the second segment, there are definitely at least like two or three things there that could have been done differently that certainly could have at least give this, given the Celtics an edge. As it was, like I said, the Celtics only lost by seven. So, and... We could even look at it as, hey, even if even if everything goes the same and a couple of calls go a different way, the Celtics win this game. So, but really, in the end, it doesn't matter because the Celtics it doesn't really impact the 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 line the standings or anything like that. So, it's it's a positive. It's it's a net positive in the end anyway. So, that's fine. Really, the biggest positive is the, that we're back and talking about basketball, right? Sports are back. I've been waiting for this since March, and now that it's here, there's only one thing on my mind, my bookie. It's a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's a triple OT game-winning shot all wrapped into one. I love it. I know you love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and now that Major League Baseball is here, there's never been a better time to start betting. Maybe you can bet on whether baseball continues to exist. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Are you feeling good about your team's chances this year? Make sure to check out MyBookie's World Series futures bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even really gotten going. Why stop with baseball? Smart bettors will always look towards the future. And in this case, it means Basketball, hockey, football. My bookies are already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 
100%. That's like a win right away. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet. You win. They pay. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Let's look at the negatives from the Celtics' loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Jason Tatum's shooting is obviously a negative. Let's get this out of the way. Jason Tatum technically shot two for 18, but really he shot one for 17. He made one basket. That other basket, that number two, actually the first one, was a tip-in that the Milwaukee Bucks tipped in. They were all going for a rebound. There were no Celtics nearby, and they accidentally tipped it in. It was early in the first quarter. Jason Tatum just happened to be the closest person to that, and he got credited with that basket. So technically, he shot one of 17. And I thought in the third quarter, when he hit a mid-range jumper and it looked good, I thought, you know what? That one going in could help him out, and he's going to go off. Uh, No. Nope. Nothing. He had a bad night. He had a really bad night. You know what? Sometimes your shot just abandons you. It does continue a trend of Jason Tatum struggling in the bubble. I don't know if that's something to worry about. I'm not worried about it. Brad Stevens certainly wasn't worried about it after the game. He said the last thing that we we think about is whether Jason Tatum is going to get buckets because that's what he does. Like Jason Tatum's a scorer and he'll figure it out. Like I can't I can't expect an all star to go through this entire thing three months without catching fire at least once. And so it is what it is. The good thing, the encouraging thing is that Tatum did go out and make defensive plays. He moved the ball. He had three assists. He had seven rebounds, which is good. Uh, was third on the team in this one with, with those seven rebounds. He did turn it over a couple times, but he had a couple of steals and he did have a block. So he didn't let up on the defensive end, which is important. If you're going to, if you're going through those, those types of, uh, struggles, then get it on the defensive end. And 
at least he's playing defense, and his defense was part of why the Celtics still had a shot. So at least at least you got that. Uh, I'm not worried about his shot. Jalen Brown, I, it's funny because on that Facebook Live, Tom Westerholm and I had talked about Jalen Brown looks so focused. He looks like he's he's just he's making smart plays. He's just dialed in. And then he comes out. He doesn't shoot particularly well. Six of fifteen from the line. Uh, six and fifteen from the field, I should say. Uh, but he had five fouls, and he had those five fouls in the third quarter. Part of why the Celtics struggled down the stretch and didn't get some of the stops is because he had those five fouls, and he needed to be in the game. But he needed to kind of steer clear. There were definitely a few possessions where he didn't close out quite as hard. He kind of got out of the way so he didn't get close to picking up his sixth foul because Tatum was struggling, Kemba was his minutes restriction was up, and Brown needed to be out there. They needed one of their best players to be out there. So it was it was almost like having like 75% of Jalen Brown because he wasn't able to do all of the things. He wasn't able to be aggressive. Uh, he also took an ill-advised shot. He forced the shot late in the game where Middleton came down. Like He missed the three. Jalen missed the three, a deep three, early in the shot clock. The Bucks took it, took it the other way. Middleton hit a three, and immediately that was just a, a devastating six-point swing. The Celtics still had a shot after that, but... That felt like a dagger out of Middleton, and uh, that's it was just a bad game for Jalen Brown. We'd, we'd seen him in a couple of scrimmages look really good. Uh, him not really carrying that through into this game, and part of it, part of it is just the Milwaukee Bucks are very good, and he, you know, if you have a bad day, if you're having struggles against, if you're just struggling in general. Struggling against the Milwaukee Bucks is just going to exacerbate that. Not going to make too much of this, but it was it was one of the negatives in this game. Another negative in this game, I think the Celtics really settled for a lot. They 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 looked great when they attacked. The the Milwaukee Bucks are not built to give up baskets at the rim. They're not built to give up points in the paint. And if they're if you're facing a team like that where they're trying to limit that particular that one particular thing that those shots at the rim they're going to give up those threes fine they're going to give give up mid-range shots which Hayward by the way as one of the positives he was he was drilling some of those mid-range shots and and Jalen hit one too those are the shots you're going to get against Milwaukee and those are the shots you're going to have to hit against Milwaukee but this particular thing, when you attack the Bucks, when you drive, and this was part of Tatum's problem, he drove and then tried to finish. I tweeted out, he looked more hopeful on his drives than forceful on his drives. He was driving like it was November, like early in the season. Remember early in the season when he was struggling? He was turning the ball over when he drove and he was just kind of like hoping to get a shot off. That, that's where he was. It, it, he needs to get back to driving with a purpose. He needs to get back to the two-foot jumping off, you know, setting himself, squaring himself. He's back to, like, some of the old habits that 
caused him to struggle. But not only that, when you drive against the Milwaukee Bucks, you have to drive your first attack. You've just got to soften the defense. You know, attack, kick, that person attacks, then you kick, and then that person attacks, and maybe that person has a shot at getting to the rim or making a pass to somebody who's cutting. There was a play between Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown uh, at one point in the second half where it was just perfect because I think Gordon attacked and got it to Jalen. Jalen attacked and got it back to, to Hayward, and then Hayward attacked, and he found Jalen again. And just between those two guys, Jalen ended up getting a dunk. Getting dunks against the Milwaukee Bucks, that's impossible right now. The way they're built, the way their defense is built, with their size. But when you constantly attack multiple attacks in a possession, and that's a lot of hard work. That's just, it's not easy to do. But against Milwaukee, you have to do it. When they did that, they got themselves good looks. When they didn't, they got blocked, they took tough shots, and they turned the ball over, and those led to Milwaukee runouts and Milwaukee opportunities to score. And that's that takes a level of discipline. That certainly was not a level of discipline that was ever realistically going to exist in the first seeding game, but it's a good reminder for these Celtics that if you're going to beat the Bucks, you got to really work hard. You're going to have to work for 48 minutes and anytime you relax, they're going to burn you. And that's what happened a lot when they didn't attack multiple attacks and they didn't move the defense and they they settled for just I'm going to drive and hope and you end up getting stuffed. That's just how it went. All right. I know you're waiting for the whole Marcus Smart fouls and refs and all that stuff. Let me talk about that in a moment. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. So with about a minute and a half to play, Giannis got by Daniel Tice, drove the lane, Marcus Smart slid in front of him, and drew a charge that seemed to be his sixth foul, and which was huge. At that point, game's tied. Giannis looked like he was fouling out. Celtics have a chance to steal this game. They review it. They're looking for a review to see if Marcus Smart was uh, in the restricted area. They review it, and they say, well, he wasn't in the restricted area, but he was late, he was sliding, and it's a block. Now, honestly, 
I thought it was a block. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. I Looking at the film, I thought he was sliding over. I thought he was late. I thought he kind of slid in when Giannis was already in the air. And frankly, I do think that should be a foul. If you sl- If a guy has started to jump and you slide in, I think that's a foul because you don't, the whole point of a charge is that the player is out of control. Defensive players have the right to their spot, but you have to be in that spot. You have to claim that area. And in this particular play, I felt like Marcus Smart didn't quite claim that area in time. And with Giannis jumping and going going towards the hoop, it felt a little dangerous. And I thought I thought the block was the right call. Marcus Smart did not think the block was the right call. And in the moment, he doesn't have the benefit of the replay, slowing it down, analyze like he feels like he slid in and, and took the charge. And I don't blame him for feeling like that. I would feel like that too. Because in that moment, you feel like you did. I'm sure if he looks back at the film, he might be like, all right, all right, I see. I, I kind of see it. Um, I don't know, maybe not. But he's a competitor. And so after the game, <laughs> Marcus Smart was asked about that and asked about what explanation he got when uh, they told him what they saw on the replay. And he said, the excuse, <laughs> called an excuse, the excuse was I was late in the charge. They said the replay center said that I was late and it was a block. Quite frankly, I think we all know what that was about. Giannis's sixth foul, and they didn't want him to they didn't want to get him out. Let's just call that spade a spade, and that's what it is. First of all, I don't know if that's worthy enough of a fine, but that might be he's basically accusing the NBA of saying, Well, it should be a foul, but that would be six on Giannis and we don't want him out, so we're gonna we're going to protect Giannis. Uh, I don't know that the NBA is going to take particularly kind kindly to that kind of insinuation. They they need players and they need everybody to know and feel that this is all in the up and up. And accusations of, oh, well, that call is not going to go our way because it's Giannis and it's a sixth foul – I feel like that might be maybe fine worthy. I don't know. Maybe not. And you might not think so, but it's also Marcus smart. And he just picked up a $35,000 fine before the, the shutdown. It was after what the nets game. So he's got a history. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to look too kindly on this. We'll see. But Giannis also had the palm heel strike to, Daniel Tice's hip, which should have been a foul. That was definitely a foul. And that should have been his sixth foul. And even if maybe you're a Bucks fan and you're listening, you came over to see what I'd say about it, it was, even if you think it's not a foul, the, the replay, the review doesn't make sense. The referee, so what happened, and the referees explained this after the game. They thought a, a hostile act might have occurred, which is the basically 
they thought maybe Giannis hit Tyson the nuts. So they blew the whistle. They didn't call a foul on the play. That's the important thing. They didn't call a foul on that play. But they blew the whistle to check for a hostile act. They go and check for the hostile act. They see that it was definitely a foul, but because it wasn't called, this is not it's not allowed. They cannot call a foul reviewing that play for a hostile act. It's either he got hit in the nuts intentionally or not, and that's all they can do. Which that part doesn't make sense to me. If you think there's a hostile act and you say, "Oh, hold on, we're going to stop this game. We're going to go to video replay and we're going to see if this hostile act occurred, that is the definition of looking to see if a foul was committed because that would be an intentional foul or a flagrant foul. So you should be able to go and see like, okay, it was not a hostile act, but it was a foul. And it was a foul. Like that that was a foul. He unintentionally was trying to get around the screen, and he fouled Daniel Tice. Like, that's a foul. So he should have fouled out then. That That's the thing. If, if I'm And you guys know me. I'm not big on the officiating being a problem or anything like that. I don't want to go down those roads because, like I said, I spent 25 minutes of this podcast talking about all the other things that could have gone right for the Celtics. And if there's ever a call that changes the dynamic of a game, then you can probably go back and look at 10 other things that happened in this game that would have made that call unnecessary. But that call was was problematic. And the referees also missed an obvious goaltend. I don't know what it is about referees in the NBA not seeing obvious goaltends. This has been a problem all season long. Don't think that I forgot about this problem just because of the shutdown. This has been a problem. Officials don't see the the goaltends. They don't see it for some reason. They need another system. They need another system. If you're going to have this rule, then it needs to be enforced. And you can't have multiple instances of this rule being missed. It just can't happen. It's not just Celtics games. And the Celtics have benefited from this, but it's not just Celtics games. It's all across the league. Obvious, obvious goaltending calls, and they're not being called. That that bothers me. If there's any one thing about the officiating, it's something like that bothers me. The the mistake, like I get that there are mistakes in officiating. There are human beings on the floor. Certain things are going to be missed. You're just not going to be able to see everything. That's how it goes. But the goaltending, that should be pretty clear. They're, they all have views of the rim. They all have an opportunity to see that. I don't know. That that part. And you can say that's pivotal because the Celtics should have gotten the two points. Milwaukee went down the other end and scored two points. So now we're looking at a different uh, situation where – I don't know. I mean, it's a seven-point game. You take away those four points. You give Boston two more points, and you take away two from Milwaukee. Now you're at 117-114, and who knows? Who knows what that does? One thing changes. It's like the butterfly effect 
one thing changes and you don't know what the cascading effects are of that. But overall theme of this third segment is questionable calls. Um, not that I'm blaming the, the calls. I'm not blaming the loss on the calls at all. But the Marcus Smart one, I disagree with Marcus on his assessment. I, I'm interested. I'm going to be interested to see if he changes his mind on the assessment. Uh, I don't know that I can ask him tomorrow or Saturday. I, I have no idea. But it'll be interesting to see if he changes his mind. It'll be interesting to see if he gets fined for that comment as well. All right. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. That's my initial thoughts on this 119-112 loss in the first seeding game for the Boston Celtics. Next up, they play on Sunday, 3.30 afternoon, uh, Sunday game against the Portland Trailblazers. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a good one because the Portland Trailblazers they came back had a big win against the Memphis Grizzlies uh, before the Celtics game tipped off. It was actually bleeding into the beginning of the Celtics game. They were down. They were going to lose. That was going to be a tough loss for them. They ended up coming back and winning in overtime. That was huge because they're chasing Memphis. Portland is is not like the Celtics. They're chasing something. They're trying to win these games. The Celtics, this loss doesn't mean much, but hey, look, a loss to Portland, if Portland's desperate and the Celtics don't don't compete, that puts a lot of emphasis on the Celtics' next game against Miami, which would be that following Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, Miami's chasing Boston in the standings. They would love to pass Boston in the standings. And if the Celtics lose that game, then things get a little interesting. Now, Portland struggled to beat Memphis, so you would say they should. The Celtics should be able to handle Portland. Uh, Portland's, you know, can be. I, I think the Celtics can score a lot on on Portland. I, I think that would be a great game to get some guys going. But I'll leave that for another time. I'll leave that for next week. Just. We'll talk then. You should subscribe to the podcast to hear all my thoughts on these games and and hear more about this. We'll continue our deep dives, our historical deep dives. I'm going to sprinkle those in from time to time throughout whenever there's no practice or whether there's only a little bit of information coming out of practices. I'll sprinkle those in as well. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify. Follow on Spotify. If you are a subscriber, a five-star rating and a good written review would be fantastic. Also, subscribe to Locked On NBA. I do the Wednesday Locked On NBA show. This week was all re-previews, so every team that's in the bubble was previewed over the course of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So subscribe to get that to your device as well. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.